Hi everyone, this is Swapna and Ray. Welcome to the Dreams and Hope podcast. Thank you for joining us on this journey where we explore faith, hope, and dreams in the context of lived experience of being human. We have a very exciting guest today. Yep. Dr. Bonnie Goodwin is a colleague and hopefully will be a friend. Mm-hmm. I have enjoyed learning from her she is in the simplest terms an adoption specialist and she i feel like having listened to her a few times professionally i feel like she helps bridge the gap between a child and the adoptive parent and the family mm-hmm. and maybe speaks into how hard it can be on both sides and mm-hmm. how different it is to have uh, this experience and uh, i also feel like adoption is in some way a loss a loss of both family but then also again which mm-hmm. is part of life because you always lose you lose your youth mm-hmm. you lose your <laughs> I mean you you always say goodbye to your past and yeah. then you're moving forward so so this journey of loss and gain is is life for all of us and so we thought it would be fun to sit down and chat with her mm-hmm. and raise some said something really really profound so I'll let him Well I mean, first <laughs> off I thanks for coming and and hanging out with us Thank for a you. bit this is um it's always intriguing and and interesting when when we get to meet people and interact with people and how it kind of coincides and we were chatting uh before Swapna came and got to meet you for the first time and yeah. um and as soon as you told me what you did of course I was like ding because I've <laughs> I've adopted uh two children and there's a a philosopher in a song I can't remember the person but as soon as I say it, you probably know who it is but he's the song goes like this that every new beginning is another beginning's end mm-hmm. and so every time you guys talked about you know loss mm-hmm. there's there's always the end of the chapter but a new chapter starts and so right. you're excited for the new chapter but sad about the last chapter that closes and that's life you know right. um like you said from childhood up to adulthood but but i think loss in particular like if we we think about the the word loss it's something that everyone goes through you're either gonna go through one you're right. you've been through one or you're currently going through one and i bet you if you're listening to this episode um uh, with this conversation you're in one of those three spaces you're either have gone through it you're going to go through it or you're right in the middle of it right now right um so you told us a story before we we started uh, about some loss you've experienced and i think it for me as i'm as i heard you uh, you know i can put myself in that situation just with the losses that i've experienced and they kind of replay mm. in your mind's eye um almost like a screen that just yeah. just shows you not only the visual but then just the emotional side in your in your in your soul you feel you you're taken back you know to right. the feel what you felt and so loss is human um and i and i think about kids and i look at my kids that are adopted and um i don't know if they really can articulate anything like loss but i think with every parent and they're looking at their children one of the things we hold with our kids is 
oh, there's going to be some pain in your future. And that's just <laughs> being human, you know? Right. And so you, you, you think you, you try your best to protect them, but it's, it's inevitable, you mm -hmm. know? So thank you for coming, by the way, that was a long ramble of a transition, but uh, good to see you swapping as well. It's always good to hang out. <laughs> it's always good to talk. Yeah. yeah. So tell us a little bit about who you are, your, your story and how it brings you to the work you do. Oh my heavens! Okay. Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> that was an easy, easy question, hard answer. <laughs> Man, you know, I so I've been in the the field of social work for mm -hmm. a little over twenty years. I've always worked with kids. I always worked with families, and I've worked in different um, arenas, like in criminal justice, and mm -hmm. victim advocate, and the district attorney's office. Um, but then kind of found my way into adoption mm. and um, started in my master's program. It was my one of my practicum placements. So I was working as an adoption specialist. So cool. walking with uh, mothers mm. who were voluntarily relinquishing. Mm. Um, so they were, they were pregnant, you know, at the time mm. that I met them and walked, walked the rest of the pregnancy with them. And then in the hospital wow. was that person who would you know, transition mm. the child, the baby to the wow. adoptive parents. So talking about that, that reality of that place of incredible grief in the midst of incredible joy yeah. in the same room mm. is such an incredibly powerful and overwhelming experience as a human. And so I think that that was a part of what kind of drew me deeper into adoption mm -hmm. specifically. Um, just that, that concept of like, man, there's so, it's so profound. Yeah. Like this experience is so profound. And then my husband, um, his mother, so my mother-in-law was adopted from Oklahoma Child Welfare. Mm. Okay. Um, we didn't know any of her story mm. at all, but she's an amazing woman. She passed away. Okay. Um, but she, she was amazing, uh, seized every moment that she could, um, but, but was also very sick most mm. of her life, mm. um, cancer, rheumatoid arthritis and lupus. Wow. Um, so just, wow, she, that's, yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. So um, is a lot. <clears throat> and she, ever, anytime I would ask her about her, you know, I didn't ask her a lot because you never know. Um, mm -hmm. she was adopted during the time whenever everything was very closed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. you know, it's, it didn't know if she knew much information about her story. Um, but I do remember one conversation in particular where I'd asked and I was like, Hey, what do you, you know, what do you think about your adoption? Do you ever think about it? And, uh, and she shared with me that she was like, you know, I, um, I always felt uncomfortable asking my parents much about, she had wonderful parents. Mm -hmm. They had a very close relationship, great people. Um, but she also had an, a brother who was also adopted, not biological siblings. So he was, he had a different history. Okay. His was a little, he was older when he was adopted. He was, um, he had some significant, um, abuse and neglect. Mm -hmm. She, she didn't really know her story. Mm -hmm. Um, so, but, but they felt very different, their mm -hmm. backgrounds. Um, so anyway, she just said, you know, I haven't really shared much about it cause I don't know much about it. Um, but she expressed to me this really deep gratefulness for her adoptive parents, her parents and how much she loved them. I was so grateful. But then there was this, just this 
thread of mm-hmm. sadness. And mm-hmm. even whenever she's talking about the gratefulness and and then she started talking about this feeling of always struggling to feel that she um, was fully worthy, you mm. know, and, and that she never knew why she had been rejected wow. by her or abandoned, yeah. you know. Yeah. And so those words really stuck with me. Yeah. Um, Do you think that's what set you I don't, I don't know when that happened in your journey um, of, of actually focusing on adoption, but wh- what do you think the catalyst was for, or, or was it just an opportunity? I mean, I, I'm curious how that kind of shifted you that direction. You know, it's, I think I didn't really know how important that conversation was mm. until I got deeper into my journey. Mm. You know, I think it was um, the opportunity of working in adoption because we had had that conversation before. I was had that okay. practicum, okay. Um, but I think it piqued my interest mm-hmm. more than I realized. Um, and so then experiencing it, and then doing therapeutic services. You know, I did count. I was a counselor for adoption and foster care special um, specialized services, mm-hmm. and that just got even deeper, right? Because mm-hmm. then you're sitting mm-hmm. in the room, hearing story after story and experience after experience, and and watching and walking alongside people on this journey of children growing up and recognizing mm-hmm. I'm there's something missing. Like yeah. there's something yeah. that I don't, and they knew they were adopted, you know, like they knew, uh, and, and they had a lot of joy yeah. um, in it. But then also this thread, like I said, that I could hear in my mother-in-law's voice, this thread of there's something sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so just... Mm-hmm. That's actually why I went back and got my PhD is because mm-hmm. I was okay. like, I want to know more. I want to understand more of what's happening here. I want to mm-hmm. understand a better way mm-hmm. um, to to get into the complexity of what adoption is mm-hmm. with people. As you were describing the um, joy and if the word is sadness or loss in the in the room in the hospital, mm. um, man. It's amazing how you're how how capable we are of putting ourselves back in that situation, and that's I I experienced the same thing as an adoptive dad, mm. and how how you because I'm glad we were my wife and I were a little older because we were able to appreciate the moment, right? But how you were holding, present, right? Oh yeah, you were present in the room to to get to for Max, like when we we actually. You know, we had a social worker and mm-hmm. we had our attorneys and she had an attorney, we had an attorney. And it was just like that moment that was so profound and special. And if we would have, you know, you can be selfish in a moment like right. that. Right. And you can just say, oh, this is about me. Or you can step back and appreciate the moment mm-hmm. of, wow, this is loss and gra- I'm gra- there's a gratitude there. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's a two-way gratitude, actually. Yeah. But then there's this sense of loss both ways, and then you you dream about this child that's going to be growing and going to be turning into a, a human, and what questions and and you're trying and and me and this is the way I processed it was trying to grab and 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 be aware of everything mm-hmm. so that I could describe it, you know, oh, um, yeah. not only emotionally but visually and and how the nurses and the doctors and there's some there's definitely some negative in my remembering mm-hmm. because of. You know, it is a hard thing, right. you know, mm-hmm. and not everyone is ready for that moment. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm talking about nurses and doctors and social workers and people that are there experiencing or witnessing it. They, they're they not ready for, they really haven't prepared themselves for the grand, grand uh, the, the moment, how how great it is. You yeah. Know? 
and how uh, huge so it's it is. hard. And so your work is, I mean, I appreciate it. I actually, if, if you get to do that and get to be in the room, you know, and, and I, you haven't told us specifically what your job is, but if it's an advocate for the baby or the mom or the, or the new parents or whatever it is, just being a calm presence is, is massive. Um, yeah. it's huge. And so thank you for your work. Um, but it, I, I was embodied in there for a minute. I was like back in the room. It was very I strange. I think as she was describing her experience, Oof. it took you back. Oh, it took like me there. I could yeah. see oh, it took me it, there. that it just uh, that you you had almost that memory, like like it was almost I like was there. something yeah. uh, something the words that words and the narrative triggered you back mm. into that space yeah. that was like 15 or 11 sorry, years ago. 11 years yeah. ago yes 11 years it'll be ago. 12 in september so oh, yeah man. it's coming up yeah. it's coming up <laughs> 12 is big yeah yeah <laughs> so but anyway thank you for your work and also just yeah. the i don't know if people appreciate it and i think mm -hmm. that's the 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 thread you know and, and as an adoptive parent i'm, I'm kind of like taking over this this conversation but I, <laughs> as an adoptive parent some of the things that play in my mind is you know, knowing that that's there. Mm -hmm. So knowing that the questions are there and some are not answered or right. unanswerable. Right. Um, and, and it's the, it's the pain that, and, and it's not that my kids are feeling it, but I'm, I'm feeling it for them, right. whether they feel it or not. And, mm -hmm. and my wife and I have these conversations often. Um, and, and there's nothing we can do about it right. other than just be you know mm -hmm. and so it's a it's an interesting it's an interesting thought mm -hmm. um and I, i'm grateful for people that are um actually thinking about children and their experience and families and and being being there to navigate that because that's a that's a huge thing i don't know how you pull on the thread or if you even need to mm -hmm. or if you're just aware that it's there you know I yeah know. i think i think a lot of it is like a lot of the research that i'm doing like right now i'm, I'm working on a manuscript about uh, interviews with adoptive parents mm. um, of just what the experience was like, like exactly what you're talking about, that that moment, mm -hmm. that transition, mm -hmm. you know, um, <laughs> when the child becomes yours yeah. and and the the beauty of that. And also just I think it's a my goal with the research is to open the space for people to recognize that it's okay for it to be all the things like yeah. it's okay mm -hmm. to be really happy. And like, I talk all the time about the child welfare adoptions where, you know, mm. you see these pictures with everybody in matching t-shirts mm -hmm. and they've got a big party afterwards yeah. and, you know, and, and that is good. Like we need that. That's yeah. a part of attachment. That's a part of, you know, uh, parents saying, this is my child. Yeah. But at the same time, we don't have a funeral for the child saying goodbye mm. to who, who brought them huh. to this world, you mm -hmm. know? And so it's such an, a complex experience of like, mm -hmm. it's okay for the child to be a feeling anger in the midst of the party, yeah. you know? And I think just being able to create space for the expectation that, you know what, this is going to be fun and we're going to celebrate still, but we're also going to leave all this space for everybody to feel all the gross, really weird, good. messy feelings that yeah. come with the duality of what this means. That's really good. You know, sometimes I feel like people, if they have this like anger, the fear is that the anger will somehow destroy yeah. or take over or take away from the joy. And I think it's really this 
it's really hard to hold both things it it's mm-hmm. really hard to hold that that space in which you are allowing yourself to feel the pain but not drowning or not kind of just being swept away in the pain yeah. where all you can feel is pain so i feel like that's such a difficult journey to walk when you have had loss mm-hmm. is to acknowledge or live or feel the loss but then also make sense of it or <laughs> move past i don't even know past is not mm-hmm. the right word but mm-hmm. move with it yeah yeah i think that's do you ever ever move past a loss i don't think you no. ever move past a loss as long as it doesn't get stuck and i think the the emotions you know holding anger and joy mm-hmm. and and they're almost both so bright because of the contrasting they mm-hmm. they're contrasting and there is joy because of the anger there is fulfillment because of the loss you know there is mm-hmm. life because of the death you know what i'm saying it's kind of like holding it like that it makes it more beautiful it's like a you know i played with marbles when i was a kid i have a marble and the, i liked the ones that were clear that you could see yeah. everything happening inside and yeah. yet it's contained in that little orb and that feels like this mm-hmm. this dance of emotion um it you know from our experience we felt a little a little like frauds even in the moment of joy and yeah. so we're you know we're in the hospital we're in the room you're you know we're being very sensitive to what's happening but also joy filled you know holding this new baby um the the birth mom they would come in and ask her questions and she'd be like that's their decision mm. and it was so hard it was it was huge because yeah. there was a there was almost she was standing up saying this is my decision and mm-hmm. i stand by it and so these decisions are not mine anymore and we appreciated it but at the same time we felt like we wanted input you know what i'm saying so it was kind of yeah. a weird like crossover parenting moment and then um when she got checked out our son still had to stay and so it was just us yeah. and it was a it was strange because from that moment on no one came in as we were the adoptive parents we were the parents and right. so they made my wife sit in a wheelchair and and be taken out with the baby in her lap and we got on the elevator and people were like oh congratulations you look so good and she's like thank you you know it's kind of like <laughs> weird it's a weird and yeah. then we you know we roll out to the thing the the car i pull the car up and we're getting a brand new car seat in the car mm-hmm. and then we put our son in the car and we feel like we're still in a baby from the hospital it's like this weird mm-hmm. All like, that's together. Like the baby doesn't belong right. in some way. It's almost like we something happened and we stole this, you know, <laughs> and it was like fraud, joy, excitement. She's about to go spend time with her sis- his sister and mm-hmm. all that's wrapped up and you're like trying to, you're really trying, trying to, to hold, hold it, it and you really can't. You know, you're just kind of like have to open your hand. It's mm-hmm. a strange, it's, it's so strange. You know, as, as you're describing it, it just brings me back to this universal feeling of do I belong? Yeah. Am yeah. I worthy? So mm-hmm. these are, questions that we hmm. answer as human beings like do i belong in the profession i choose to practice do mm-hmm. i belong in so these are such fundamental mm-hmm. questions connected to self worth and just connected to living it's it's <laughs> fascinating how you you've described one more context of mm-hmm. where the question comes up like am i an imposter that's I'm, it yeah i i mean it's it's fa- it's fascinating to me how often that question is present 
maybe even in a valid way because we need to ask ourselves mm. right but then sometimes it undermines totally one loss uh, so so talk a little bit about that because i'm i'm really curious about you know your experience with loss and then how that plays into what you try to do and mm. what you're there for you know with with your i hate to call them clients but the people yeah. that you interact with you know yeah um i mean there's multiple things i i that are coming to my mind of how that all comes together. Um, so going back to my mother-in-law, mm. when we lost her, mm. um, she passed away. Then then we moved. It was after she passed away that we moved to Oklahoma. And mm. I really went into deeper into the adoption world. Mm. And so when I started working in the adoption world in Oklahoma, that was her world of adoption, right? That's mm -hmm. where she was adopted. Wow. And um, my husband was very much... I mean, he was very close to his mom and, and his dad and his dad passed away just a year and a half later. So it was mm -hmm. loss after loss. Mm -hmm. And he was, he was not okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Understandably so. Um, so we were, we uprooted and came to Oklahoma partially because of those back-to-back -back losses where I was like, he was hurting so bad. And I was like, we need to have a little bit of home. He's a, yeah. he's an only child. So mm -hmm. he doesn't have, wow. um, it's like he, and, and he, before that, he had lost his grandparents, the adoptive parents of his mom, mm -hmm. who were very involved in his life. So it was back to back to four, mm -hmm. wow. four adults wow. that were integral to his um, life. And so um, I really felt this need to to go back to home for him. Like I was mm -hmm. like, let's let's go back to where what feels like home, the people that knew your parents, you know, and and lived with you when you were younger. And so that's why we moved to Oklahoma. And then, of course, I'm like, well, I'm going to find a job in adoption because that's <laughs> where I feel like I'm supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. So I worked in an adoption agency and walked alongside the journey as, again some more. But then that was when the opportunity came to start a counseling center that was very focused on wow. adoption specific um, challenges and issues. And I had no idea that that was such a huge world. Mm -hmm. um, so. Anyway, in the process of, of working in this adoption agency, I started learning about, oh, you can get information. Like you can actually, you know, call child welfare and you can pay mm -hmm. a small fee and they'll give you this de-identified social history. And yeah. I was like, uh, Matt, <laughs> do you, mm. you might be interested? Are you interested at all? You know, because we had had, mm. uh, speaking of the gaps of information, yeah. you know, we had yeah. nothing about his... And he started wondering because this was his, now his future mm -hmm. and then our children, you know, yeah. and like, what is all, we don't know medical history. We don't know all this stuff. So we, um, we did the process and got the de-identified social history and, uh, gosh, so many emotions come when, even yeah. thinking about mm -hmm. that moment. Cause it was, you know, four pages typed in the mail and we got it and it was like this, it felt so big. Wow. It's only four pages, but it felt yeah. so big, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it was her story uh. in a way. And she had come up with a story to try and fill in the gaps for herself. And yeah. and it was um, a very tragic story that she had told herself all through her life that she was too ugly oh, as no. a child, as a baby, and that she cried too much. And oh, she no. must have been really obnoxious. And that she was the youngest of a bunch of siblings. Mm -hmm. That's what she believed. And so she thought... I must have, I, I was too much. Um, and the story is very different. Mm -hmm. um, 
she was the the firstborn of her birth parents and she has a half uh, she had a half sibling out there somewhere mm. um so mm. it's still in the mind of my husband of maybe someday we will uh you know try to find that person and see if there's any connection but in wow. and, and the crazy part of the story is that her mom um, had just met her biological father and, um, he, he was a bit of a drifter. And so he was married to multiple women at the same time. And when she found that out, um, then she, she knew that she needed, he had brought her to Oklahoma from Kansas. And so, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Kansas and Oklahoma. Yeah, um, and so she, that's when she decided that she was like, okay, I need to go home. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so she, when, my mother-in-law was born. She was placed directly into child welfare custody. Um, and then she, she went home with her older son to try and kind of pick up the pieces and, Mm -hmm. and go on, uh, with her life. But she had made the decision that, uh, you know, so many birth moms that I had walked alongside that she knew I can't do this. Um, Mm -hmm. it wasn't that she wasn't wanted. And, but then the crazy part of the story is that her birth father came back and fought for her, tried wow. really hard oh my God. To, wow. to parent her and wanted wanted his daughter. And I think oh, like that still just, it feels mm-hmm. like just a gut punch, you know? Now I'm like, man, if she would have just known, if she would have right. just known right. mm-hmm. wow. that wow. he fought for her and he tried and, and he was unable to because um, first of all, it was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fathers didn't have as great of a uh, possibility of, mm-hmm. you know, Mm-hmm. getting the custody of their children as single fathers but he also had a criminal history um but it was based off of being married to multiple people so it's, you know anyway <laughs> um he he was just yeah. a i don't i don't know much about him but but just the fact that i think that if he came back mm-hmm. and wanted yeah would have been such a she big was difference yeah. for her yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so um so speaking of where that goes with loss <laughs> it just was such a profound recognition of like, oh my gosh, if she would have just known. And then that reminded me of the sense of rejection and abandonment that she felt. Mm -hmm. And then the feeling that my husband felt in it, you know, like it re-earthed so much Mm -hmm. of the, oh, if my mom only knew. Um, And then the heartbreak of like that he was never going to be able to tell her, you know, and just, Mm -hmm. just, it just rippled from there. Mm -hmm. Um, so it, yeah. And then, and then what's crazy now is this year after, so I had this, my, my sister suddenly passed away in the middle of the night in November. And what's really crazy this year is since January on, I have been asked probably six to seven times to talk specifically about loss and grief. Interesting. And it's been so hard. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So hard, but so good at it's, the same time. It feels like it's almost a gut punch, right? Every time yes. you, you, you cannot really just stay in the abstract because it it pulls you back to your own lived experience, right. which is raw and uh, just right here and right right now. As mm-hmm. as you were describing, I could see and feel because you've told us a little bit of the story. Yeah, that it's just present, but maybe that makes the conversation richer in some way because. Mm-hmm. It's not an abstract thing anymore. Right. I mean, it's well, not an abstract. In your words, it's like going from witnessing to now you being the 
you experiencing yourself right. is, a, is, a, is a crossover to uh, this is what I've been seeing and now I'm actually experiencing myself. Mm -hmm. um, and you can be empathetic and you can be compassionate right. and exactly. you can be, you can put yourself in someone's situation, but then when it's you, it's, it's different. It's totally you know? different. And you feel, you, you almost have, you almost see someone eating a meal and you smell it, you see it, you can describe it. But once you sit at the table and eat the meal, totally oh, different. it's, yeah, that's your, that's different. You know, so that's what you're in right now is like the, yeah. And it makes it like, I think what Swapton said makes it richer. It makes it, um, I don't want to say believable, but it almost makes it to be like, man, I know what I'm talking about, mm -hmm. you know? Well, and that's why I think I was, you know, preparing myself somewhat to talk about, and I, and I felt like that's what I was supposed to talk about today, right? Was, yeah. was how all of these things come together and it has been so hard, hmm. but it's also been, it's been so helpful. To, it's the same kind of feeling of like mm -hmm. this dual, you know, yeah. hard and good at the same time, because I've been able to process in different ways what my grief looks like and mm. feels like right now. Mm. And I know multiple times I've said to most of the time I'm training parents, you know, talking to parents about how to how to help your kids process the the losses mm. that come up, especially in adolescence, you know, and like identity formation. And and I say, you know, I have a slide that talks about all those feelings of grief, mm. the sadness, the anger, bargaining, mm. you yep. know, and and I the five stages of yeah. grief kind of and the chaos right. that's yeah. in there, yeah, the back and forth and mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And and it, I, every single time it just stops me in my tracks in the midst of speaking to people. And I'm just like, you know what? Hmm. If grief was just sadness, it would be so much easier. Yeah. True. You know, like if I could just be sad right now mm -hmm. and I couldn't, and I didn't have to experience the anger, the confusion, the anxiety that comes with the grieving process, the, you know, the, it, it's like I, I've, <laughs> I told a friend, it's like I feel like I understand where people really start to um, deeply believe in the sense of that their spirit is with you, mm -hmm. you know, after yep. after yep. passing away, because it feels like that, like physically feels like she's right there, you know, yeah. like mm -hmm. right behind me. I can I can't see her because mm -hmm. she's gone, but she's right yeah. there, you know, yeah. like I could describe for you, and it's the weirdest, and sometimes wonderful feeling but then sometimes really uncomfortable you know it's just yep. all the all the feelings and it's the weird it's just so complex so what's the i think the, the tendency is to see someone in loss grief mm. and and want to do something to help because everybody wants to help right. and so then my help is i want to help you move through this so let me let me walk you through all the the stuff you know right. and then some people are just stuck in the angry part Mm -hmm. And you're, you're saying, well, you just need to move on to this other thing. And it, and you can't. So what's the, what have you learned even in your own process? Like what's the hope, you know, what is the, mm -hmm. what, what, it, what does it look like to work through it? And yeah. is there a common, is there a common path or not? You know, man, you know, you might, I, I think sometimes walking through your own is harder, but mm -hmm. since you've walked with others, sometimes you have more of a, sense of being a witness and then mm -hmm. it's easier to speak to a process when you are a witness than when you are <laughs> in the true. mess yeah. of it yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but it is fascinating speaking to it for so long and then and then experiencing it and vividly speaking 
mm. at the same time. Mm. You know, like it's it's mm. this like layered experience. Mm-hmm. And I think what I'm understanding now in this position of experiencing while I'm speaking about it is the reality of because I've said so many times our kids were so uncomfortable with anger. You know, mm-hmm. anger is so big. Anger can be really scary. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it does cause challenges and, and problems for our kids um, who are having a very hard time processing the losses or even recognizing the losses mm-hmm. that bring yeah. the anger, you right. know? Right. Um, I mean, it gets to aggression and violence and and those explosions and the things that aren't, aren't good. Um, but talking to anyone who's supporting a child like that, expressing the importance of it and that that anger has to, I describe it as kind of like a fire that if you don't let it burn out, then it doesn't, it just keeps smoldering, you mm. know? Mm. Um, That's good. So allowing the flame to get brighter sometimes in mm. a safe environment. Um, and so now <laughs> when I'm feeling those weird moments of anger, when I'm like angry at my sister for something that doesn't make any kind of sense, right? But that's that's mm-hmm. what I'm feeling and I can't change it. Then I am telling myself the same things that mm-hmm. I've been telling <laughs> other people of like, okay, how can I let this burn out? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, what is a safe way for me to let this feeling actually be there? And it's interesting being in my position. I'm the youngest in my family. I've got another sister that's older than me mm-hmm. and then my parents who are in their 70s. And um, it's interesting watching everybody's journey and mm-hmm. how, you know, you had mentioned getting stuck. And and it's such a it's such a weird thing, I think, because sometimes when you think of stages, it's like, mm-hmm. okay, when you move from one to the next right. to the next, right. which is not true. Nope. It's mm-hmm. kind of like you're thrown into a dryer and you're, yep. you know, feeling yep. all of it all the time. Yep. Right. Um, and feeling stuck or getting stuck kind of has that sense, too, of like you're stuck along the journey. But I think what I'm understanding now about that is that when you don't allow yourself to feel and let some of those things really burn, then it the smoldering is that stuckness. Right. So like yeah. so like my my parents, um, it's it's huge grief for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm overwhelming, well, yeah. mm-hmm. overwhelming and. And they, they so deeply don't want to be angry. Like I've heard them say that I've felt, mm-hmm. you know, they, they have very strong belief in their faith and their, and they, uh, have, and, and I do too, but it's like this, they have understood this. They've told themselves the story that if I'm angry, then I'm not, mm-hmm. uh, having enough faith that, that, yep. that, that, that she's okay, yep. you know? Yep. And so then it's uh, It's like a lockbox furnace that you just put it in and then let it burn in there, but you don't get it out. Yeah. So it just stays. Smolder is a great word. (laughs) And it overcomes eventually, you know? So, you know, it almost feels like when you are angry, you almost need self-compassion for your anger Mm. because otherwise you're just having self-compassion for your good sides, good sides of yourself. And then what about those difficult challenging sides of yourself the anger the pain that that you may not want to see but then where it's almost like you're not self like you're not self-compassionate about it as as you are not able to embrace the pain I feel like again there is a should in this because Mm -hmm. I think what you described is that your parents feel maybe they should they should not have this so so the should part is such a tricky part Mm -hmm. (laughs) that comes up for all of us like I should be doing 
lots exactly. of good things yeah. and yet uh, yet yet it's a fine line i feel the other thing i was thinking of is this fascinating legacy that people who come to our life even in their death mm. keep shaping us mm-hmm. like your mother in law like she's so right. powerful in in your story today and uh, and is isn't that fascinating how that's a loss but that shapes you so profoundly in a in a beautiful way yeah like yeah. she we are talking about her we are we are she's present in yeah. in in a way that's that's such a tangible way it's so mm-hmm. tangible how mm-hmm. she's present so i felt like my grandfather uh, passed away when i was fairly young and it's it's interesting how i've chosen or wanted to keep him alive in mm. so many thoughts and conversations and mm-hmm. ways that i live that i i feel almost like the death in some way gives a new life to I the to mm-hmm. to the legacy that is of that person mm. so that's i that. love that i feel like maybe that's something so kind of tying it back to the loss and adoption and like the grieving cuz it's it's a little ambiguous the you know like when mm-hmm. you, when we lose someone to death we have some specific things that we do right mm-hmm. rituals and right. things but the ambiguity of the loss and adoption mm-hmm. yep. makes it harder because like i said we don't have that funeral we don't have some of those rituals mm-hmm. and so it's harder to have permission to feel all of these things mm-hmm. and like you had brought up the question of do i belong or mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. the question that i hear so many adolescents mm-hmm. uh say is i don't belong anywhere i don't belong in my adoptive family i don't belong in my biological mm-hmm. family because i'm in this middle space yep. mm-hmm. and that brings more of that sense of loss another part the question i think that's like of being human is i don't deserve Mm-hmm. or feeling you know the mm-hmm. fear of i don't do yeah. i deserve this do i deserve yeah. Yeah, yeah do i deserve and so there's that that's kind of that other piece of what i then the the identity formation is i don't i didn't deserve that maybe in a sad you know anger way but i don't deserve this um i've heard many adoptees say i got lucky you know wow. instead of it being more of a sense of that i deserve wow. to be loved it's wow. i got lucky Um but what you were saying Swapna makes me think that um maybe there's something about keeping the loss alive you know like embodying it bringing it mm-hmm. into who because that's what we talk about mm-hmm. with identity formation is it's it's both and like you mm-hmm. get the opportunity mm-hmm. to look at your biological family and your adoptive family because it's nature and nurture it's not one mm-hmm. or the other yep. and you can bring those into who you are so you've got more yeah. you know and i feel like it maybe that kind of similar thing of like mm-hmm. when you've lost someone that you love being able to bring them and and have them be a part of your life today you know and how they um impact us it's um Anyway, I yeah. just and we're recording hit. we're recording this um within Christianity a few weeks away from Easter. And the the moment about Jesus is that he left, he died. Mm-hmm. And then he left. And his disciples, one of the things that really struck me this season was the people that were following him watched him leave and they were unsettled. They were just at a loss. They didn't there was their king and messiah and and the guy that was going to set things right and then he's gone. 
and and there was a profound loss. And one of the things that, that both of you have said is keeping something alive over and over again at scripture, it says, and then they remembered hmm. and believed. It was almost like the past loss made so much significant today and tomorrow because they remembered it. And so a lot of us in the grief or loss don't want to remember. We yeah, wanna you run we wanna it. move it move beyond it to where we're not thinking about that person or that situation anymore. But we can actually harness it mm -hmm. in a in a in a way to make us who we are if we'll remember and actually bring it into today, keep it alive. Because yeah. you know all of us have lost grandparents and we have aunts and uncles or maybe real close friends and whether it's by you know, suicide or by mm -hmm. um, natural causes or by sickness, illness, it's like, it's very painful. And mm -hmm. yet that person changed my life, whether right. I liked it or not, right. they changed my life. And so I can remember and actually be a different person or, or make something significant out of my life because of it. Mm -hmm. You're remembering your mother-in-law and, and the conversation that in the moment you didn't realize how significant it was, right. but thinking back to it actually has changed your life. And that's an awesome thing. And I think there's the, the holding of grief. I don't know if it ever goes away. I don't, I really don't know. Because mm -mm. <laughs> when I sit and think about loss, you can get, I mean, you just want to go back to bed and get my PJs and, and, and sleep the rest of the day, you know, yeah. you can get there. But the grace in it or the hope in it or the, or the not getting stuck or letting it actually do its thing is I can actually hold this. And I know there's a twinge of anger. There's a twinge mm -hmm. of sadness there's all that but then i can hold it with this like incredible gratitude that that i had this moment uh, with that person yeah because uh, it did change my life right. you know um you sitting here today changed my life and swapna and i are on a journey where we can't help but change each other's lives and that's yeah. that's that's the beauty of humanity you yeah. know um but what a what a blessing to have you here today it's been it's been really really good Really, yes, really I think it's time for us to... We could keep going, but... I think so. We can keep going. <laughs> We've really dug deep. And yes, it's, thank it's you. Been, it's been joyful and uh, and just insightful and uh, it's been raw. So mm -hmm. thank very you meaningful. for... Yes, yes, very, very meaningful. Very meaningful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you for thank the opportunity. Um, here's uh, something that I'd like to, to have you share. Is there... You can say yes or no. Is there? Would you like people to know how to get a hold of you or where to track you? Is it social media? Is it email? Is it a website? Is it you know? How can people follow sure. you if you want them to? Because we yeah. we also understand that <laughs> you may not want that. But <laughs> no, absolutely, uh, I would so. love that. Okay. Um, uh, best way right now is my email okay. address. Okay. Um, no, you're going to be flooded by email. You just have to give the <laughs> website. No, no, no emails. Well, the email may be on the website. So, yes. I mean, you know, <laughs> that's true. I guess maybe um, my email would be on the website, which okay. is good. Okay. Um, but there is a, a website that we've been building okay. for post adoption support oh, in yeah, Oklahoma. Um, okay. And that's the Oklahoma Adoption Competency Network. So, if okay. you Google that, It'll okay. come up and it has a bunch Oklahoma of things there. Competency. Adoption, adoption Competency Network. Uh, Oklahoma. Sorry. Adoption <laughs> Competency Network. My Spanish is switching this thing. No. <laughs> Oklahoma Adoption Competency Network. That's it. Okay. And we'll Excellent. put a link in. We'll, we'll, put a, we'll put it in our notes. So. That'd be great. Yeah. Thank you. Thank well, you. It was really so good much. to have you, Bonnie. I appreciate that. And, and uh, thank you for sharing. What a, a very, very meaningful conversation. Thank, thank you so it. much.